Hey, morning. Uh, it's kind of a different morning and kind of not. We've been here before. So, I don't know, it was in May that I went in and had a, a meniscus hair repaired after um, that great turkey bowl last year. And, and the thing that's amazing, I don't understand, some of you get this better than I do, but it's the only injury I've had in my life that hurts when I'm doing nothing. You know, so I lay down in bed and these, the knee is just screaming at me. And when I had that one done, I actually sat in the room with the doctor and said, it's funny, we're working on that one today because the other one hurts worse. And so um, we went and saw the doctor Wednesday and he went in and worked his magic and it, it's already a million times better. I mean, no pain through the night. Now I'm just up for no reason <laughs> instead of pain, so which is kind of what geezers do. But you but got anyway, your Moses staff to help I, you I walk brought, around? I brought Moses yeah. along. George Roselle made me, made me Moses a while back. I love Moses. So anyway, got Moses. But So that, that explains the little bit uh, lower level here. And, and we got so, some other so stuff. So we don't get the chairs every week? Oh, I, you know, the problem is... Uh, We'd probably fall asleep. These are so comfortable. There's, and the, the speaker's really boring. So I'd, I'd, I'd fall asleep during me. I mean, that'd be horrible, right? <laughs> uh, you, you did something fun yesterday that I, I really never thought I'd see in my life. So Shelly went to a football game. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So long story short, went to the University of Illinois and watched a lot of bad football. Shelly never came to one. But you came to a lot. Mm -hmm. Going back to when we were at Rock Run, it was like a tradition. Um, once a year, all the U of I grads, John Beaker, uh, Bob Morris, the, the clan, they all go to one, one game, and we'd all go down together. And it, was, it was a blast, and that was part of why I chose to, to go to U of I, because I had some fond memories. And Shelly never participated in that, so she chose to go yesterday with Julia to watch our 7-1 Illini take on a hapless 3-5 Michigan State squad. And Shelly got to learn all about Illinois football as they <laughs> let us down in one of the windiest, coldest, most awful football games you could have possibly watched. But the best part was the video you sent me of the, the flag people running out onto the <laughs> So when they lead the team out onto the field, they have these monster flags and the cheerleaders who are yoked, I mean just full jacked, pick up these flags and they run and there's smoke coming out of the top of them and yesterday they remember were moving 15 so well. mile hour winds yesterday <laughs> so flags are going everywhere people are literally getting ripped to the ground and finally you just see you see a couple of them just throw them on the ground and run <laughs> i mean we can't that, that should have been the omen right there y'all should have just said we forfeit yep. we're going home <laughs> wave your orange and blue oh. slash white flags yeah. so yeah last night it really worked out beautifully with what we're going to talk about this morning but uh, junior high was supposed to do a bonfire and after you know after your experience of lighting the place on fire in 50 mile an hour winds yep. we've learned our lesson to not light a fire when it's windy so they had to transition come inside anyway have fun doing that but sounds like it was a very fun night yeah sounds like yeah. we had a great time yeah it looked like an absolute blast uh i hear someone has an absolute cannon of an arm in football carry. oh yeah 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 awesome <laughs> so yeah no it's uh, it was a lot of fun so um tonight we actually have a few leaders who are going to be going to the brandon lake concert um which is awesome but that doesn't mean that we are not meeting so Revive will still be on. We'll still be here six to eight, and it's uh, going to be a really cool topic. We're we're talking about. We don't have eligible voters or many eligible voters yet, but we're going to look at what the Bible says about how to vote. And clearly, there's no instruction on this is who you vote for. But 
how do we take biblical principles and put them, apply them to something like, like a ballot, like, a, uh, like voting? Because you're going to hear all the commercials, you're going to hear all the input from everybody else, when really the, the input we should care about is what the Bible says. So um, it's going to be a really cool, cool night as we learn how to study the Bible using the James Method. It's, it's going to be exciting. So six to eight tonight. Just tag along with what you're saying on that. I think one of the, one of the things we learn through, through the way governments are structured from the Word of God is that the Bible is written so culturally beautifully in principles that the principles that are there can apply to literally any form of government. Mm-hmm. And you think of all the different forms of government that we've had throughout, the, throughout, the, you know, throughout humanity and the fact that those principles, rather than saying, this is the way to do it, and nothing else is allowed, to have the flexibility. I, I love that about the Word of God. You get principles mm-hmm. that can be applied in, in so many different situations. So it's a, it's a, really, it's a really great learning. So we're, we're continuing today talking about, talking about serving. And um, I think one of the things that I have a great appreciation for our church is that We've never been a church that's um, monstrously overstaffed and the staff does all the work. We, we really believe in the concept of the priesthood of all believers, getting people involved in serving in different areas, areas of ministry. And, um, and, and I've, I've loved watch, watching people going from, you know, I'm not sure if I can do that to being really, really wonderfully effective uh, ministers in their roles. Uh, you know, the, the other night your mom came home from uh, the the mom connection, and and she just said, "Man, Jaron, as a speaker, is crazy good. She's crazy good. Not that not that we didn't think that she'd have that ability, but to just see the path that God's taken her on to develop to develop that gift. So watching these different people grow in their giftedness has been has been wonderful. It's been great. It's not just about you know, handing jobs out to people to get the job done, but really seeing the way God works in people. So this morning, interspersed in, we're, we're going to talk about what it is that God grows in us when we serve. And interspersed in that, I'm going to have some people coming up just talking specifically about what God has grown in them through serving. Now, you've hit on this a little bit in the past, but, I, but I'd like you to just kind of zero in. When you think of you and the different serves you've done in it throughout life, what are, what are one or two of the strong lessons you think God has taught you specifically through servings? Ways, ways that he's forming you to be more like Jesus through a serve. Well, if you go back to when we were at the old building, one of my first serves, I think it, like, again, my memory is not super great, uh, but I, I think the first serve that I, that I had was setting up games for Adventureland. Hmm. which is our, was our elementary school program. So once I was old enough, I think it was actually in fifth grade, uh, setting up for that, and then in sixth, seventh, and eighth, continuing every Sunday morning, I have to roll out these big, heavy tables and just put games out. And at the time, I very admittedly was a super selfish kid hmm. who uh, cared a lot about me and wanted things done my way, play the games that I want to play, and when you are putting things out for other people, it would have been really easy for me to just grab basketballs and say, we're going outside, we're playing basketball, or just put out the things that I want to. But I had to think about, 
okay, there are other kids coming down here that need to be served. There are kids that can't do the things that I want to do or don't want to do the things I want to do. So I actually have to think about someone else. And while in the moment, you know, every Sunday, I'm not sitting there as a junior higher having some deeply spiritual experience as I'm, you know, selecting games that are going to be played on Sunday morning. But I think looking back on how many different times we're talking about, you know, changing games or changing what we're doing, it made me think about other people. And that's the first time that in my life I can really say I served others, even though it wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm not washing feet, right? Mm -hmm. But because right. uh, a lot of times I wasn't even in the room when those kids are playing those games, but but setting up and having to think about other people and what they want, that was definitely something that God was trying to grow in me because I went through a spout of uh, fighting with my mom <laughs> during that time, and it all came down to Brian wanted to do what Brian wanted to do, and there was nobody that was going to get my way and stop me. So, um, so growing that, thinking about others and selflessness was a, a big piece that eventually I'd serve. Um, and then I, I, I can't talk serve and not talk Green Lake. Hmm. It's weird because I am on staff, so you can look and say, well, yeah, I mean, that's your job. But the first few years especially, when I was going up and planning all, you know, I taught every day, planned all of the work, organized all of the games, it was exhausting. Um, and at, I remember at the end of one of those trips, I was like, man, I just, I don't know that I can do this. I don't know that I, I don't know that I can do this every year because it was truly, even at 22, 23, I was like, man, I'm, I'm wiped because then we'd turn around and go to other camps and we'd take our junior hires on a trip. We'd go to Omega and I'm just like, I, I don't know how in 10 years I'm going to keep up this level of energy. And, um, and what God taught me through that is, hey, other people are good at stuff too. Hmm. It's not just you that has to do the teaching. It's not just you that has to do um, the, the work planning. It's not just you that has to be having the conversations with kids. It's not just you that, uh, that can be planning the games. And so over time, although it's taken a, it's taken a long time, I've learned to, to delegate and let people truly live into what they're good at and just take a hands-off ap approach with certain p aspects of that trip. And it, it has turned into such an incredible moving um, trip in so many ways, and that, that wouldn't have happened had God not said, dude, stop doing it all yourself. Mm, awesome. God, I thank you so much for the way that you've grown Brian through serves, and I pray that you would continue to do that good work in him, that you would form him to look like your son. That's the, that's the prayer that we have for all of us. This isn't just about getting work done. It's not just about making sure that that something's in place on Sunday morning or there's a lesson in place. But in each of us, you're, you're growing something in us that looks more like Jesus. I pray that we would have a greater, a greater awareness of the ways in which you're growing us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Brian. Thanks so much. So this is kind of the way we'll, we'll work the morning before we do, though. I just, I've, I've tried to think of the best, best slot, best, best way to say this, best moment. And so... We'll do this now and then, and then move on with the rest of the message. Um, you know, Brian mentioned what he's going to be doing tonight. And just for those of you that haven't been around Southfield, you may wonder, like, 
how we work in terms of political stuff and all that. I, I really, I personally avoid political stuff on a Sunday morning, not because of, you know, some, oh, separation of church and state, and we're going to get in trouble, we'll lose our tax-exempt status. Hey, if God wants us to tell truth, we speak truth, and we don't care about whether or not the IRS is going to give us a break or not. Um, what, I, what I've learned through the years, you know, I've done, I've done enough decades of life, is that um, when, when I choose to get excited about something, someone and endorse them, they always let me down. <laughs> There's something about them that they always let me down. And, and so, you know, the idea that I would say, you got to vote for this person, this person's the best, they're so good, they're so good. And then, I mean, I could go through a list this morning of people who have just been a rabid disappointment. And I, and I really think there's, there's only one person that doesn't point, disappoint. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the one that changes everything and everyone. And it is the prime mission of the church to be bringing Jesus to the world. That's the, so it, it's possible to become hugely distracted by worrying about the mechanics of the world, thinking that we're going to finally get the ideal candidate in place. And when we finally get the ideal candidate, utopia will land on the earth. Uh, utopia will land when Jesus' feet touch the ground again. And until then, it's going to be a mess. That's not to say that there aren't some you know, good people involved. That's not to say that there aren't people that do good work. But, but I, I just don't think it's our prime responsibility to be saying, vote for this person, vote for that person. But like Brian's talking about, I do think we have to bring biblical principles to things too. And so, you know, when, you're, when your election season ends Tuesday, and whether you already voted or you're going to do it Tuesday, as, as a Christ follower, I think God does call us to participate in the, in the system in which we exist. And so, and so we do that. And as we evaluate people, I, you know, I don't know that you always have to evaluate them based on will they be perfect, but you do have to evaluate them on do they come anywhere close to biblical. And I think for too many of us, I know the, the home I grew up in, too many of us make all of our political decisions based on our wallet or our purse. And Jesus calls the church of Jesus Christ to bring salt and light to the world, not to make sure that we have a better dental plan. So... Um, so weighing that, you know, we, we need to look at morally, where do people stand? You know, and, and, I, and I just got to declare truth, right? The fact that we can have somebody in charge of our state that, state that believes, if you look at Riley this morning, look at, you know, look at her and realize that there's a person in charge of our state that believes that baby could be killed today and it wouldn't be a problem, that a baby's head crowning and a mother's cervix could have something sharp stuck into its skull and you could end its life legally, there's something really disturbing about that. There's something disturbing about, you know, political leaders who 10 years ago were outraged, outraged by Muslims who were doing genital mutilation. But now in the name of American secular religion, genital mutilation is cool. It's cool. It's cool in a third grader. And, and it's disturbing to me when I look at, you know, these two Christian teachers over here and realize if they started talking about Jesus in a classroom to kids, they'd get in trouble. But if a kid wants to talk about genital mutilation, they can have a private conversation without mom or dad present. Something's wrong. Something's wrong when we have leaders who are taking our country in that direction. And, and I, would, I would say this. The things that many of our leaders espouse... They're anti-biblical. 
They come nowhere close to principles of faith. And the fact that we could sit here on Sunday and say, I believe the Bible, and on Tuesday say, I think it's okay to kill a baby at the ninth month, is disturbing. It's disturbing. Something is wrong with the American Christian church that our faith is not impacting the way we do life. And we really need to think about that. It really needs to be a lesson for all of us. That we, I'm, I'm not saying there's a perfect person. People let us down. But when you're looking evil in the face, you don't have to wonder if it's going to get any better. It's only going to get worse. You think of things, if you're as old as I am, you think of things 20 years ago that if I'd have said this is where the world is going, you'd look at me and say, you're just a cranky old nut. You're one of those slippery slope people. Hey, I'm telling you what, the slope is slippery, and it's sliding fast. And there will come a point that we as believers are going to look back and say some of the decisions we made got us exactly where we are, exactly where we are. So think about where Jesus would have you in these things. God, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom to know the right thing to do. Though no one join me, still I will follow. Some will accuse me of being political. This isn't political, it's moral. It's moral. And you give me the responsibility to declare the moral truth. Help us to be salt and light in this world, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Brian mentioned Green Lake, and one of the areas that I get to serve these days is on the Green Lake board, um, actually leading it, which is really just like a, an experience that's really out there for me. Um, it's a stretch. It's kind of scary, I admit it. It's just, you know, when you have a bunch of people you don't know, and they all understand Robert's rules, and I'm like, Robert, who? Uh, it, it gets really fun. So one of the things we do at every board meeting is we take some time for a devotional. And we took some time to look at Matthew chapter 6 recently. These beautiful words, don't worry about these things saying, what will you eat or what will you drink or what will you wear? For these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows what you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and his, live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So one of the people that spoke on this passage uh, broke down the word worry a little bit. He, he, he gave us a great Greek word. It's fun part sitting around with a bunch of pastors. They all show off their Greek. And so he, he gives us this Greek word, and he says this word, this word means worry and anxiety, but it also means preoccupation and distraction. When I think worry, I think anxiety. But we also think of the ways in which worry can be a preoccupation or a distraction, something that's taking our focus off of what really matters. So then he took us over to Luke chapter 10 where you have the whole Mary and Martha serving thing and Martha's trying to get dinner ready and Mary's just sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha's ticked off and, and all. And, um, and, and Jesus, Jesus just, I love this. He says, dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and will not be taken away from her. Look at verse 40. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. You know what the right word is there? Martha was worrying about the dinner she was preparing. She was distracted. Her worries were distractions. And the reason I bring all this up this morning and don't save it for its own sermon is because 
many of the things we've been talking about in serving are distractions from what God is trying to accomplish in the serve. Very often when we get involved in serving, we're distracted. We're distracted by things that don't matter. We're not focused on the things that do matter. So we, think, we focus on things like, who can I serve? Where can I serve? What can I do? What can I do for you? These questions are distractions. They're distractions. Jesus has one thing. You know, we, we talked about the fact that so many are, are looking at fulfillment or the right fit, filling a need, being forced to do a serve. These things are distractions. There's really one prime focus Jesus wants for us when we're serving, and we see it in the Mary Martha example. Jesus wants us to be focusing on him and not on the distractions. Jesus wants us to be focusing on what he's accomplishing in us and not what we think he's accomplishing through us. This may be a disturbing thing for some of you to hear, but God doesn't need us. He created the whole world without our advice. He did a pretty good job, right? He doesn't need us. Here's the thing. He wants us, which I think is even better. He wants us. He could accomplish everything by himself with his omnipotence. But he chooses to use us. He wants to use us. And part of the wanting to use us is because there's something he's trying to accomplish in us through the serve. Our preoccupation distracts us from experiencing God's agenda. What's God's agenda when we serve? Well, we saw it in Romans 8, should say 29. God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. Again, fun little Greek word, symmorphous. You hear morphous, change or form. Sim is similar, similar form or change similarly to. His whole goal in serving is to help us to look more like Jesus tomorrow than we did yesterday. Every part of the serve. So we get really focused on, did I accomplish anything? Did that lesson come off well? Did I, you know, did I do it perfectly? Was I on time? All those sorts of things. And Jesus is simply saying, do you look more like me now than you did yesterday? Is there more of me happening in you now than yesterday? So the, so the real question is, what aspect of Christ-likeness does, does God want to form more fully in you through the serve? As I'm looking for a place to serve, I ask, what is it that God wants to form more fully in me through the serve? So uh, we're going to, again, talk, about, talk with several people this morning. And I get a list, and they don't know the order they're coming in. So uh, Jared Brooks, come on up here first. Oh, the long walk from the back. The long, long walk. I think, I think next we'll, we'll save the walk. Nice shirt. Wow, this is pitiful. <laughs> you are amazing looking. Look at that. That is such a great choice. Um, so these, these have got to be quick. But anyway, um, you've served. Give me a couple of places you've served throughout. Uh, I serve at the, the greet in the morning the, as a room host. I've served. Are you good at that? Naturally, do you think you're good at that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I enjoy it. That's an area, when you were asked to do that, that wasn't, oh, no. people scare me. Okay, no, good. All right. Um, Quest. Uh, I've served with Quest with Green Lake. Mm -hmm. um, I've done general security for the, for the church for some of those same programs, as well as, I guess, the junior high kids I did mm -hmm. for a short time. Mm -hmm. 
So mm -hmm. those are the most. So there's been, been, been yeah. a, a good variety. Yeah. Is there one that didn't come naturally to you, but you did it anyway? No, I, I generally can, can fit in most places. I don't, I don't think that there's something that I felt that was, I was kind of out of, out of my skin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So when you look back on some of the big lessons you've learned, what, how do you think you look more like Jesus because of serving? That's a good one. Um, I was thinking about this one we talked a little bit last night. And um, for me, it's always, I, I, when you said that, that blue-collar theology mm. and talking about kind of, okay, this is a need, it's got to be plugged, let's get into it, um, that really spoke to me because that, that is how I think, Yeah. right? Yeah. Something needs to be done. Let's, if I can't find somebody to do it, I'm happy to do it. And as long as the job gets done, then, you know, then the goal has been com complete. So it's always kind of felt like checking boxes. Ah. And, and so it, it hasn't felt like I'm becoming more like Christ. It feels like I am, um, I'm just being a good soldier. Right? Huh. And so, huh. and so when you asked me that, I thought, okay, well, recently it's been, it's got to be less about you. It's got to be less about you, right? More about Christ. And, um. And then something happened this morning. I wasn't going to bring it up, but I have to. Um, Jen and I will typically check on the kids and just kind of see, you know, what they're talking about on their cell phones, who they're talking to, that kind of thing. And, um, and I was just going through Adam's stuff, and um, he was having a conversation with a friend of his. And his friend asked, what does the Bible say about how to be happy? Mm. And Adam said, the Bible says that happiness is temporary, but what you're really looking for is joy. Mm. And joy is only cultivated in a relationship with Christ. Mm. And I suggest you start in John. And I thought, that was the same message that was taught in Quest two years ago when he served. Wow. And so then I'm thinking, Jaron and Jesse, they're serving our kids. And then when our kids serve, that message is still sinking in two years after that message is still making its way to Manuka High School. Yeah. And so I just thought the service is always less about what we bring to it and it's always about Christ. Yeah, that's good. I, I, I love that part. I love the good soldier thing. I think Martha was being a good soldier and she was totally missing out an opportunity. And the funny thing about the Mary and Martha story, I'm, I'm wired far more Martha. They had to eat. So it wasn't, it wasn't as if there was going to be no meal. They had to eat. Right. But, but Martha was being robbed. I think Martha could have been listening from the fire and totally engaged with Jesus. And if she threw in too much salt or whatever, so what? <laughs> she was totally engaged with Jesus while she was doing this. And I have a lot of good soldier in me too. Yeah. And I think there have been a lot of times I've missed out on the greater formation Jesus is doing in me because I've been focusing on filling a hole, doing the job, getting it done. Very good, Jared. Thank you so much. Awesome. Very good. Well, you go ahead and leave that there. Uh, Don, why don't you work your way up here next so that we don't have the slow walk, but I'm going to be talking while you do. So one of the things I think God is trying to grow in us is, is attentiveness. The serve starts with a call. Jesus says, come follow me. I'll show you how to fish for people. These guys could have said, hey, somebody's got to catch the fish. Come follow me. I'm going to show you how to fish for people. So part of attentiveness is listening for the voice of God. Part of attentiveness is listening to the need. 
Some of us want to do a serve, and there's no need for the serve. It's something we want to do. He knows which games he wants to play, but what do the kids want to play? So um, sometimes we're not being attentive to the actual need of the person in front of us. We're not being attentive to the voice of Jesus. I love the attentiveness of Moses in Exodus chapter 3. He's, he's out there tending the sheep. This has been going on for 40 years now. And, and God's forming him into a person that's going to lead his people. He's out there feeding the sheep. He comes, he sees this bush that's burning but not burning up. He looks at it, it says, and it's not being consumed. And it says, the Lord, Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. Look at verse 4. When the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. Do you see the sequence there? It was only when Moses turned aside to see that God called to him out of the bush. For too many of us, we're, we're not attentive enough to hear the voice of God. We're, we're, just, we're just running through life instead of at stopping and asking that question. God, what is it you're trying to form in me? What, what is it that you want to be done in your world today? And so one of the ways God is forming us is in attentiveness. Now, what I did not do with all these is each person coming up is not now a magical example of the thing I just called attention to. So, uh, Don, some of the areas you've served, where have you served? A few. Um, I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I started. It's not. Here, I'm going to guess that got pushed. There we go. There we go. Uh, yeah, so Ooh. I started, there we go. I started the first, the first time we came here, uh, I started with uh, the three, four, and five-year-old class. Awesome. Uh, it was fantastic. That's just something that... I bet they loved you. Oh, my goodness, it was so much fun. Um, but, yeah, and, and slowly worked my way up through, uh, I think I skipped junior high. For a good reason. Um, no, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, but the high school group, uh, I've served them now for, boy, 10, 12 years, something like that. Um, and, uh, and then uh, serving in uh, at Green Lake, at Quest, at, uh, well, speaking. I've, mm. I've spoken. And, uh, that one scared you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know. That one, that one unnerves you. Being on this stage for me was, I mean, you're, you're looking out and you're looking at everybody and you're going, man, I want to say the right thing and I want to I get across what God has, has brought me here to say. And boy, it's nervous. It's, it's, you talk about the worry and that's, that's, that's where my worry comes in. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so lots of different places that I've been able to serve and just have loved every every second of it. So how do you look more like Jesus because of serving? Uh, I think it's, uh, I think going back to the worry is releasing my expectations on things. I like things, I want things to be perfect. Are they ever? For me, no. I mean, but when, when I allow God to work through me, I'm just a vessel. And just to be able to, to see God's love, uh, through me being able to extend that to other people, I think is, um, that's what's, what's changed me, is to, is to release, release that and just allow God to use me in whatever way he needs to. Um, we, got, we got done two weeks ago, or last week, I can't remember which, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I saw you pretty much immediately and said, yeah. to me, 
To me, you are the example of a person who loves through serving. Yeah. People, I think, when you serve, feel loved. Mm -hmm. But it also, it's just so transparent to me that your, your motivation mm -hmm. is love. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's good to have examples of that around here, of people who really, who really serve out of a place of love. So yeah. keep growing in his love. And next up, junior high. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, why don't we get Julie up here while I talk about the next part? So, um, one of the things God is trying to grow in us is humility. There's a series coming up, I promise you, all about humility. I, I, think, it's, I think it's just an absolute lost virtue. Uh, we're all about platforms. We're all about prominence. We're all about, you know, being an influencer and all this sort of stuff. And, and Christ's call is just the opposite. I want you to be so humble. I want you to be humble. I want you to be kind. I want you to have my heart. And we've looked at these verses already a few times now where, you know, Jesus is saying, I'm the teacher, you're the student. I'm the master, you're the slave. I washed feet, you should too. And what was he talking about there? I mean, these, these guys, they're grumbling and griping over who's the greatest. And, and he's saying the greatest is the least. The greatest is the one on their knees washing feet. And so I think, you know, we looked at Philippians chapter 2 last week where it talks about having the mind of Christ, and the mind of Christ is a mind of humility. So if he's growing, he's growing humility in us, I think one of the very good questions for us is, what is my foot-washing serve? What's my serve that nobody notices, that's utterly disgusting, that nobody else wants to do? Because I know I need humility formed in me. We all need humility formed in us. So what, what is that lowest of the low serve that doesn't come with commendation? Nobody ever notices it. It's just, it's one of those that everybody else pushes it away. And you say, I'm going to do this because I want to see God grow humility in me. So... Again, these don't direct, directly correlate, directly tie to what the person's going to be talking about. But Julie, as I've come to know you, you do exude humility, which is really beautiful. There's a real humble spirit in you. What are some of the things that you've done as serves around here? Um, I've done like Quest, Green Lake, Refuge, Revive. I do the kinder room. What are they doing right now if you do the kinder room? Someone, someone's filling Oh, good. <laughs> Awesome. So you've done a lot, a lot of different stuff. Now, yeah. I, I asked you, you know, how has Jesus grown you in the serve? But I do want to go to last night. Because last night, we advertised for a couple of weeks, bonfire, bonfire, bonfire. You come to the afternoon, it's pretty clear we're probably not going to be doing a bonfire. How do you react to that when the plan goes off the rails? Um, well, one thing when you were like asking the questions, I kind of went to my brain went to how would I have react and how did I react today? Oh, good. Because I kind of had the stronghold of like control. Mm -hmm. Things need to go my way. I'm a planner. I need to know what's going on. So if something like that were to happen in the past, it would have been like instant freak out. What's going to happen? Who's going to be there? How's it going to change? Can I still do a bonfire? How's a bonfire going to work? But then after you had asked me the question, like I kind of realized I didn't have a freak out. I you know, talked to Kim a little bit. We had a little bit of a plan B. Just, okay, we can still meet. Let's just move inside. We don't need a fire. We have the means to feed the kids, give them some snacks, and just still hang out. 
Good deal. I love, I love that you've seen the progression. And, I, and, you know, humility is one of the things that God is trying to grow in us. And the other one coming up, which you set up so well, is obedience and submission. Because we are all control freaks. Every last one of us. And some of you are like, I'm not a control freak. Yeah. Um, if you're not an overt control freak, you're a passive control freak. We're all control freaks. We are. Because we, we, we're born with this sinful nature that says, I am God. I am God and there is none else. And so God spends a lifetime teaching us, oh, no, you're not. Oh, no, you're not. And serving is one of those areas between cooperating with other people <laughs> and, um, and things going not the way you planned control all of a sudden goes like this. And what's funny is how many people early on in the service will go, I'm not doing this anymore. Why? Because they're not ready yet to release control and let God be God. And, and so I love that that's already what God is teaching you. To be able to relax in his plan instead of intensely holding on to your own. That's beautiful. We will save you for this slot next time. Thank you. Remember to do it exactly the same way. That was awesome. <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. Mr. Beaker, John, you'll come up next. Obedience and submission. I, I think of this. Jesus, God, is on earth. And what are some of the things he says? I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me not to do my own will. Jesus was perfect. He could have gotten it just right. And he said, I'm here to submit to someone else. I'm here to do it someone else's way. Our Father in, not Father in, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will be done, please reinforce my plans. Your kingdom come, your will to be done. In the garden, not my will, but your will be done constantly releasing control, constantly giving control over to the Father, learning obedience, learning submission. And, you know, sometimes that, that submission is, um, is humanized by the person we're serving with. Someone's in charge of the project, and they're not doing it the way we would do it. What are we going to do with that? Are we going to bump? Are we going to fight? Are we going to resist? Are we going to go passive-aggressive? What are we going to do with that? Because even in that other person, God is teaching us something about how to release, how to let go, how to not have to control, how to obey, how to submit, how to listen. John, you've served a ton around here. I mean, in, I think, maybe almost every area. Close. I'm trying to think of many that you, I don't know that you've been on the roof, have you? Have you cleaned gutters? No. Okay, I, next no. week. But outside of that, I mean, you, you, you've, you've been involved in a ton. You're one of those people that you're a first face that people see. You're a huge connector. People catch that, that energy from you. Um, is there a serve you've ever done that didn't go well? Yeah, uh, a number of them. Actually, there have been a few times that I've finished a serve and thought to myself, wow, that was pretty much an unmitigated disaster, uh, only to find out after the fact that, uh, no, it wasn't an unmitigated disaster. It just didn't go the way that I thought it should. Hmm. And so it, it has led me to ask different types of questions when I'm done with a serve. Instead of asking, did that go the way I thought it should or was that a good, um, did that go the way I wanted it to? I, I try to ask questions more like, 
was anything of spiritual significance accomplished here? Mm. Because that's the point. Not did it go how I wanted it to. Awesome. Although I do like it when it goes the way I want it to. I'm not going to lie about that. <laughs> you talked a little bit about, you know, you came here uh, from another church over 20 years ago. And at that place, you, you were a small group leader. And right. You don't feel like you do small groups well. No, yeah. That's, I would say, you know, you'd asked, well, what are the things that are natural and what are the things that are less natural? Uh, I, speaking is, is okay. I'm, I'm good with that. I like greeting. I love that. I love people. Uh, small group leading is more of a learned thing, and it's, uh, it did, certainly did not come naturally in the past. I mean, our experience uh, before we came here was one of those unmitigated disasters, and in, frankly, in part, uh, played a role in us being here. Uh, by the time we came here, I was pretty beat down. Hmm. Uh, we had had some, some really... Um, I would say contentious hmm. uh, experiences that were, they, they just were not good. And it really led me to uh, question, you know, I, what, what am I doing? What value can I really bring to the table here? I mean, uh, when you have somebody uh, give off a vibe in a group like this is really going badly and you're about five minutes into an hour and a half long study, that's, that's not a great feeling. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, and, and we had that. So when we came here, uh, my goal, my intent was to just be an attender. Hmm. I did not want to serve. I'd done that. I'd been down the serving road and we got burned. I just wanted to come and sit in the back and, and attend because I still, I still liked God. I, I still believed that the truth was the truth and that his word was the truth. But I added in my mind that, that I was going to pretty much just attend. Uh, and God had other plans. I love that because it, it, reality, serving comes with wounds, with pains, with burns. And I think that all of our personalities are wired differently. When the wound, pain, and burn comes for me, I think I must have done something wrong. Other people look at it and say, those people are messed up. They must have done something wrong. Um, but the wounds, pains, and burns are actually a big piece of growing to be more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. It, it leads to the formation of Christ in us. Mm -hmm. uh, if we continue to cooperate with it, which you could have just said, we're never serving again. That was the plan. And, 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 <laughs> and, and I think there are times that you have to say, okay, I'm going to sit on the bench for a while. I'm going to let my leg heal. But once it's healed, I'm not staying on the bench. Right. Jumping what, back in. I will tell you this, and I, I've said this on more than one occasion. That was saying yes to a serve was... was uh, one of the best yeses of my life. I mean, mm. it was life-changing, uh, getting back into the game. And it was, it was shocking and terrifying at the same time, but it, it was a big yes. Wow, thanks. That's awesome. You're going you're to switch places with, uh, with Jaron. Jaron's going to come on up. And one of the things God's trying to grow in us in the, in the serve is dependence, complete and total dependence on him. Uh, I think a lot of us, when we're offered a serve, we ask this question of ourselves, can I do that? Am I gifted for that? Do I have the talent? Do I have the energy? Do I have the time? And, and if all those things align, we say, I'll give it a try. Few of us take on a serve going, there's no possible way on God's green earth. I, I'm not wired for it. I don't have the time. This is going to be a disaster. Sign me up! Right? John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. This is an incredibly sobering verse. Those who remain in me, verse 5, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I love those Greek words, right? Nothing means nothing. 
Doesn't mean some things. Nothing means nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't even breathe without me. You can't do this without me. So when we're doing safe serves, it's funny because still we can't do it without him. But when we're doing safe serves, we're not learning how to get there on, out on that tightrope and experience John 15, 5. No, seriously, apart from me, you can do nothing. You've, you've done a few serves that have been out there, Jaren, haven't you? Have. Yeah, you yes, have. Yeah, I you have. have. What are some of the things you've done around here? Oh, I've, it's a lot um, in terms of just everywhere. Um, probably mostly kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I acted for a little while. That was my, I think it was we with have video. John. I think it was with John, actually, <laughs> yep, as John was yep. sitting up here. Yep. Um, I've, yeah, I've been a small group leader. I've been a journey group leader. A lot of kids, basically. What's God, what's God grown in you through that? Um, a lot of humility hmm. um, and just a, um, I just, he's helped me see that everyone is insecure. Ah, and I think um, when you talk to people, they just want you to see them. And so a lot of times when I'm talking to somebody, there's so many great things about them, and um, they don't always believe it. And so part of it when I'm serving is trying to help them see God made you exactly the way he wanted you on purpose, and there's no mistakes. You just need to be more like him. So I don't know. I hope our kids know that. I hope women know that, especially. <laughs> um, yeah. I wish guys would know it. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I I don't think, really. I think. I mean, I, I hang out with guys, but I don't really. I think people. I think. <laughs> in wiring, it's I think women. people assume yeah. among women that yeah. women are insecure, and we think men are not insecure. No, they are too. And yeah, you say yeah. everyone's insecure. Andy Urban, stand up. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Does Andy look insecure to you? <laughs> Yeah, right? Sit down, Andy. He won't sit down unless we make him. Now, Andy's insecure. He'll tell you about his insecurities. Mm -hmm. Everyone is. Everyone is. Which, again, is a part of, apart from me, you can do nothing. But I think that the fact that you recognize that in people and that will work with them in their insecurities, as opposed to assuming they're secure, and then when they're not, being radically disappointed, we got to dump them, get them out of here, to, to actually cooperate, because one of the things you've done a lot around here is you've led leaders. And leading leaders means you're recognizing that Jesus is trying to grow something in them too. So you have this twofold thing going on of you're trying to figure out what Jesus is growing in you, and you're trying to help understand what Jesus is growing in that other person. So rather than looking at him and saying, Andy, stop being insecure, you know, it, that doesn't help. You help them in their insecurity to be more like Jesus. That was not set up ahead of time. No, Andy's, Sorry, Andy's Andy. going to be checking out new churches next week. You'll no, come I'm back kidding. to Quest, right? <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much. You can, you can sit down. Ryan, come on up. The other thing I think that Jesus is trying to grow in us through the serve is wonder. And by wonder, I don't mean I wonder what I'm supposed to do. But look at this. <clears throat> For we are God's masterpiece. You go, yeah, I'm one Andy Warhol, I know. No, we are God's masterpiece. He created us in new Christ Jesus so we could do things he planned for us to do long ago. So when you get the chance to serve, what you get the chance to see 
is something God molded and God created and how it's supposed to work. And it's okay sometimes, in a, in a humble way, it's okay to look and say, wow, God did that through me. Holy cow. That's a, I can't believe that. That's amazing. And so we get a sense of wonder. We also get a sense of wonder that it literally says, he planned for things for us to do before we even existed. And the things we're serving in now are the fulfillment of that. It's crazy. So it gives us a chance to grow in wonder, to just grow in wonder at the creation of God, to grow in wonder at what it means uh, to, be, to be formed to, do, to, to be formed in such a way that I can't do this without Jesus, and yet Jesus is giving me the privilege of doing this as if I'm the one that's doing it. It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. It's a sense of wonder, real wonder. So, <clears throat> obviously, Ryan, one of the things you do is play and sing, and I've had fun with you and, you know, tease that and whatever all along, and it's been really, I think, for those of us that have been a part of the journey with you over the last few years, to watch the way you've, you've grown and formed is kind of, that's the kind of stuff people dream will happen that doesn't happen often. And so it's, it's, it is for me a sense of wonder to be able to look and go, that's what we hoped. And I, and I have great hope for the way that God is going to continue to grow you, not just as a musician, not, not just in, a, in roles, but to grow you to be more like his son. So you're all of, are you 18 yet? Yeah, you're, just you're turned 18. You're finally there, woohoo, yep. mm-hmm. an official adult, good deal. You're all of 18 years old. What, what can you see already that God has grown in you through serving? Um, I think the biggest thing is just boldness, and boldness for him mm. and boldness in roles that I'm serving in. So like you said, I mean, starting to sing and lead worship was a hard thing for me to do. Um, and I think what was holding me back was not, not necessarily the stage fright that people talk about. Like, I'm not afraid of any of you right now. Like, um, you should be afraid of Andy. <laughs> yeah, well, a little, a little bit. Um, but it, it was the fear of messing up in front of you. Um, and that there's like an embarrassment in that. Um, and I think... Well, you were up here singing during your Peter, Peter Brady era. When it's time to <laughs> yeah, change. yeah, that got, is yeah, scary. right, and that still happens. So <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and like, so it was it was the fear of that, and then moving past that was letting go and the confidence in that. It it's not how I sound. It's how I can lead the congregation into worship or and worship God myself in what I'm doing. So there's a peace and a confidence in that. I think. Which is a, a huge, a huge piece of developing, developing people who will lead people in worship, helping them to understand how they can still worship too in the process. Uh, I think that um, part, of the, part of the thing that we're hopeful in you and the way we've gone about some of the things we have with you is to make sure that we are not just, we're not just developing future train wrecks. I think a lot of people put a person up front, put tremendous pressure on them to be perfect, to do all these things, don't pay any attention to their formation, and one day they're just like, they're not even going to church anymore. It's so disappointing. To me, it would be heartbreaking if your, if your involvement in worship was the thing that ultimately pushed you away from God. It would just be, it would be devastating to me. 
And so I love the way we go about helping uh, people who are in the platform role to grow in their relationship with God and not just to grow as performers. We have way too many performers in the church. We don't need any more. I, I don't mean this church. I mean the church of Jesus Christ. We have way too many performers. We need people who are really looking to be formed in the image of Jesus. So keep pressing toward that. It's amazing. God in heaven, you want to grow something in all of us. And we're open to the way you're going to grow us to make us look more like Jesus. Thank you for that. In your son's name, amen. So I shouldn't have had Ryan come up last because he's got to go grab his pick now. But anyway, we're going we're gonna to spend some time singing this morning a couple of really, really beautiful songs. And as we do, we'll, we'll begin that time by walking toward communion with trays at the front, trays at the back while we're listening and while we're singing the song. And, you know, we've suggested a number of ways that God is growing us. I don't know that the, that growth happens sequentially. I don't know that that growth happens, um, when I say I don't know, I know that growth does not happen sequentially. I know, that, I know that there are some areas that some of us are already a little better formed than others. It may be that the, that the biggest thing God is not pressing on you right now is attentiveness. Maybe you're already attentive to the needs of people around you. But God is trying to grow in you humility because you're known, you're addicted to the fact that people know you care about people. And it's time to get over that addiction and to learn some humility on that. So as you're taking communion, as we're starting to sing, be asking the question, not where can I serve, not what can I do, but God, what is it you're looking to grow in me? And then just release that to him. Be cooperative with him in whatever he calls forth in you. What aspect of Christlikeness does God want to form more fully in you through your serve? Let's go to communion. Thing is about a great undoing and a great reworking. There are things that are within our heart because of the brokenness of sin, the fallenness of our nature. There are things that are part of our lives just because of the way we grew up and things that we learned that we shouldn't have learned that need unlearning in order that we become more like his son. So since Wednesday afternoon, I've been in a state of something that I don't like. And no, it's not pain. It's dependence. Boo. Boo. I dreaded getting this thing done because I knew what these days were going to be like, that I'd have to ask someone else to get my iced tea, ask someone else. The clicker's just out of reach. Ask someone else. And I hate that. I hate it. I just don't like it. And some of you are going, I know. I've worked with you. I know. <laughs> It was a learning in me and my childhood that said, figure it out on your own. Nobody else is going to help you. And God spent 60 years hitting me in the head and saying, you're not there yet. Let's break your leg and see what we can do. You know what I mean? And this is the way it works. And you can choose to cooperate with the work of God in your life or you can choose to ignore it. You can choose to be distracted and think it's all about getting the job done. Or you can be open to the fact that God is trying to do a great work in you and it's time to be open to that great work. So as you leave this place today, again, don't try to figure out how you will check off a box and do a serve. Ask God, what do you want to grow in me? What do you want to grow in me? And then be open to wherever he takes you. See you next week.